everybody, and welcome to episode nine of the Mountain Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Lee, and we are not in the Train Road headquarters right now. We're in my house. We're at Steven's house, and we have a special guest with us, Brian Kennedy. What's up, man? Hello, hello. For those that are wondering, if you don't know the name Brian Kennedy, you can look up BKXC. You might even know about that on YouTube. It's a really popular mountain biking YouTube channel you've got going. It's been an amazing journey. It's pretty cool, Almost a year in May, starting from scratch building the audience, riding the best trails in the world. That's pretty much the theme of it, right? Yep. Riding the best yep. trails in the world. Yeah. It's a pretty cool gig. Living the dream. You Nobody's going to give you this job. You got to go out and take it. <laughs> truth. Seriously. Yeah. 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 yeah, truth. No doubt. So, and we're going to get into what you do and plenty of other things throughout this, but it'll be cool to have your perspective and, awesome. and, and input on all this stuff. Yeti, so. yeti, 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 <laughs> yeti. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Can't get everybody drunk. Yeah, exactly. Can't get I'm a fan that. of the show. That's an inside <laughs> joke if you haven't listened to the episode. Truth, truth. Um, but first off, Stephen, we're in your house because you're gimpy. Yes, sir. Uh, you got knee surgery. I did. Full ACL reconstruction yesterday. Uh, and it was pretty quick, man. Yeah, like, I was... I was, uh, check-in time was 5.30 in the morning, and I was home by 11. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's efficient. Exactly. Seriously, I, yeah. And you feel, I mean, obviously, it's it's not comfortable, but. Eh, it's like a one and a half, two out of 10 on pain. Pretty but good. With painkillers and everything else. Yeah, I'm on Oxy and Hydro, but I'm taking the lowest possible dosage. Yeah. Just kind of trying to stay ahead of the pain. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah. yeah no doubt. It's not bad. Pretty good stuff. And then we also have somebody with us here. He doesn't have a microphone, but he's a ripper, uh, a junior racer. But I guess, are you a junior racer anymore, Zach? Um, I guess you can say I'm open. So he said he's open because he's, what, 18 or so around there. So yeah. so he's U23 in that yeah. dumb XC sport. <laughs> yeah. But he's Enduro, open for he's open. Enduro. Yeah, uh, Zach Waymar. If you haven't uh, seen anything, you can see on like my YouTube channel. We've done a video where we rode together in Carson yeah. City. He's a ripper. So and he'll be racing TDS this year. He will be. He's taking my cool. spot, little jerk. Yeah. But let's get into things. Um, first of all, I wanted to touch on a few reviews. A lot of you guys have left us reviews. Thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate that. We appreciate the fact that they're five stars. Dude, we still have five stars. 21 reviews, five-star ratings. I think that we can up that past 30, hopefully, this week. Tonight. Good. Tonight, why not? Well... Friday yeah, night. Once, yeah, yeah, exactly. When yeah. you're listening. Tonight to is Friday night or whatever night you listen to this. Yes. It's tonight. Um, but I wanted to, to just go over a few of them really quick. Uh, Jonathan Bond left one. He said, I downloaded iTunes just so I could give this a rating. Seriously. Great podcast. Good to hear. Uh, Steve, I, I'm just trying to read it like it's typed. I hope that's how you say it. You say, keep up the great work and make Jonathan take a wheatgrass shot or something like that for every Yeti, men, Yeti mention. <laughs> that's why we have the Mormon drinks. Exactly. <laughs> You're already behind. You can hear it jingling there. And uh, unhappy customer with game. Uh, that's a pretty sweet name, by the way, especially if you give it leaving reviews on games. But you say, awesome show, guys. Love the wide range of topics you guys cover and the breadth of knowledge. And even though we've mentioned this before, I still think it's worth mentioning. Somebody said you should listen to the MTB podcast instead of Rush Limbaugh. That's probably the best <laughs> resounding review we could. Is he even still on? Well, I'm sure he's like out of retirement yeah, now. Yeah, I wonder. All right? the politics and stuff are going. Yeah. Um, I, I More reviews like that. Yep. I like those. Those are really good. So thanks for sh leaving them. Share the podcast with your friends too. That's so helpful for us because we're just uh, getting started here, but things are going well, man. Another huge week for us last week. So yeah. we're going up. If you build it, they will come. 
Truth. That's achieved. That's done. that is what it's all about. In today's world, if you build something cool, people will find it. Yeah, it's true. I agree with that. But you should help them find it. Yes. Yes. So help people you, find you it. do have to do a little bit of self promotion <laughs> here and there. But yeah. Or or friendly promotion. Yep. You know, share it with your friends. Let's go into questions. Question. That's a ridiculous question. False. Well, that's debatable. Phil, he says, Hey guys, I can't wait for the latest podcast. Uh, this is the one I keep looking to, and I love how you cater to every single rider from single speed to DH. Good to hear it, man. That's kind of the goal. He says, I have a couple of questions. I'm based in the UK. Some of us are heavy. I'm pushing 295 pounds on a good month, and I'm tired of bottoming out shocks on soft rides. I cannot even go to proper rides and had to limit myself to a hardtail. I cannot keep investing in rear shocks, he says, and I just love riding hardtails as they keep me on the wheel of my mates on the climbs and actually quicker on the descents. Thinking about racing enduro, you reckon I can do it in a, on a hardtail, or should I invest again on a full suspension bike? And if so, which would you reckon uh, will manage my weight? My target is not to win, but finishing ahead of my mates, especially on multi-day epics. Uh, best regards, Phil. So, a guy that's a Clydesdale, but on the, uh, the higher end of Clydesdale. Yes. What what would be a good bike? What well, do you think? Honestly, if he's going to go to a full suspension again, he's probably going to need to stick to something that's a better shock, piggyback shock to keep oil volumes up mm. because he runs into the same problems I run into at the level that I ride where you're overheating and boiling your fluid. The only Which is going to make you blow through your travel quicker. It's going to lock the rear end up. Or lock it up yes. so it's going to be more like you're gonna a You're going to have a lot tail. more fade. Mm-hmm. Um but the big thing he needs to do is on any shock, I think like the extra volume cans are, they're a bad idea for heavier riders. Mm. It creates a plusher initial breakthrough on for lighter riders and, you know, moderate weight riders. But somebody who's 295 pounds, you need to stick to as small of air volume as possible. So you get stiffer beginning, stiffer mid stroke and better bottom out control. Makes sense. Less air volume and no extra volume negative chamber. Yeah. One thing I think a lot of people misunderstand is when you see a bike with a piggyback reservoir, they assume that that's like more air volume and that's not the case. No. Those piggybacks are not more air. They're more oil. More oil. You can still have lower air volume Mm -hmm. with a piggyback. Exactly. And that's what, like on the Float X from Fox, they have the standard volume, they have the mid volume, and then they have the large volume can. And then you go into the Evol, which changes everything and adds extra volume just to the negative side. Exactly. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, in terms of bikes, uh, can you think of a full suspension bike that might be good for him? We're talking about multi-day epics, climbing being a priority, some enduro stuff, but really it's, it's probably not like he's not, he's probably not looking for a 160 bike uh, with 160 mil of travel. Yeah. I would stick to something that's going to have like a rocker type linkage. You want to get the, the, the longest stroke of shock in there. You don't want something that's a direct, like a, um, like think a Cannondale habit or like an ASR FSR. You want something with a longer shock, longer travel so that you can actually take advantage of, you know, more oil volume there. So something like a Trek, for example, I would think that like a remedy 29 would be a a good bike. Okay. A Norco range. What's their 29 inch trail bike range. That's the one. Yeah. Something like that. Range or sight. I can't remember which one. Whichever one's their 29 inch trail bike. That's like 130 mils of travel. Yeah. Something to do with guns. That's their, that's their range. Yeah. Um, do you have any bikes that you've ridden in the smaller travel range, Brian, that you have liked? You know, you test a lot of bikes. Yeah. What came up when I was hearing you guys talk about this, what about a coil? If he's investing, if he's blowing through his air shocks, 
What about a coil shock? You can absolutely do that. The problem is on a lot of coils, you're limited in size. So it depends on the bike. Mm. Yeah. You know, you look at... It'd be at, tough to get one in like a 110 mil, right? Well, it, or something well like and that. that's... It, 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 it has nothing to do with the travel of the bike. It has to do with the eye-to-eye length and mm-hmm. the stroke of the shock. Yeah. Like say... Get ready to drink, everybody. On the Yeti 4.5, yeah, you're not. You can't find. There's no such thing as a DHX2 coil shock for a seven and a half by two shock. It's a short little shock. It's a short little shock. You're not going to find anything yes. for that. You're not going to find a six and a half by one and a half coil for an ASR. Right. So you're going to be limited. But yes, you might be able to find, say, a push 11.6 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or depending on the bike you know, um, yes, you can put a coil on it and then just put whatever spring rate as long as somebody makes a yep. spring rate that's going to yep. handle the just leverage, the throw, all that good stuff that's made to work for a 295-pound rider. Yep. Yeah, definitely a lot of information to run by, whatever brand bike <laughs> you end up going with yeah. and yeah. talking to the engineers as much as you can to get some information on that. And you'll find that a lot of brands are... are pretty helpful with that type of a thing. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they're into how their bikes are made. They're clearly into that because they spend a lot of time and money engineering them. So I'm sure that they'd be into talking about it for a bit. Absolutely. That's a funny thing that I actually would never think to like email Santa Cruz, email these guys. Like they love talking about it. They love like when you have such an off the wall kind of question where it's like, go to the source, ask them and yep. see if they actually reply. But right. my, my mind is always like, ah, oh, they got better things to do. They're not going to yeah, reply to me. That's kind but, of how we always work, right? Yep. Especially these days. But, but, but that's, yeah. what we, that's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But yes, you should still. Yeah. <laughs> and for those that are wondering to push 11.6, if you heard Steven say that before, push is the brand. They were really made famous for modifying suspension that yeah. you had. In the, and now they make their own shock, the yeah. 11.6. In the dark ages of forks when nobody was making good dampers, uh-huh. that's how they made their name was improving on RockShock and Fox, you know, yeah. poor designs. Yeah, which not sure there's much of a benefit there with what they have compared not to anymore. No, not anymore. Yeah. Rock shocks and Fox have really stepped it up there. Yep. So, uh, drew, he says, Hey guys, still killing it each episode. I listen as soon as it hits my feed. Thanks man. Um, we appreciate it, drew. You should share about it too. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. If you did that, tell a friend, you'd be my favorite person. Uh, he says, my question is this, I have a limited money to spend each year on mountain bike stuff. I'll be doing some, up, some bike upgrades, but what else should I invest in? I could sign up for a BME event, BME being Enduro Series. Big Mountain Enduro. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says here in Colorado, which would super motivate me to train. Uh, and I'm just itching to do an Enduro race. And he says it would be my first one. Or could I do a, and he says in quotes, level two skills clinic in or with a coach in Boulder. He says Lee McCormick, if you want, want to say his name. Lee is a legend in the bike skills coaching business. He's been around for a long time, so he knows what he's doing there. He says the clinic would focus on cornering, pumping, jumping, etc. I feel decent at these things, but it would surely help improve my riding. I know I could do the clinic and still train and I could do the race and still work on my skills, but I'm quite torn. Any thoughts? This is a good, we get to spend Drew's money. We do. Mm, that's fun. So Drew, in this case, you're wondering if you should take a skills clinic or do an enduro race. It sounds like the budget is going to allow for one or the other. I personally would recommend doing the skills clinic. I don't know if you guys would recommend something different, but the reason for that is because I have spoken to people. I've never been to one of Lee's clinics and Lee likes bikes. If you don't know who he is, that's like the name that he produces a lot of stuff under. He is very good at coaching you. He's not just very good at riding, but he's very good at coaching you. And yeah. I've spoken to plenty of people that have gone to his clinics and just said it was a massive change for them. Yeah. 
Um, even ridden with somebody after they went to that, I was blown away at how much more capable they were and comfortable they were on the bike. So the reason that I say that I would go for that is because then if you do an enduro race next year, or if you happen to be able to do one this year at another point, you're only going to be better prepared. Exactly. There will always be races and these clinics do come around periodically, but I think it would be really beneficial to hit that. I agree. My thoughts. Yeah. Same. I think a solid, you know, one or two sessions or weekends or however he does his clinics. I don't actually remember what Lee does, but I think that is worth at least you know, a month or two of riding every day with just your friends trying to get better. Yep. That's yeah. That's what I think. That's perfect advice, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, Ryan Leach is another guy I think of. Yeah. Ryan's an incredible rider. Um, I know him and I've actually on the, the trainer road podcast, yeah. cause we should mention them cause we're using their microphones once again. Yay. Thank you. Trainer road. Um, but on the trainer road, ask a cycling coach podcast, we interviewed Ryan on there all about bike skills yeah. and, uh, he has this series of videos that you basically like can pay for the videos or pay for like a membership and you get access to all of them. And I know that all of us are very hesitant to pay for anything these days on the internet. Yeah. I know we all are except for cheap bike parts. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. True. But do that. Put your money there. Like he is so good at coaching you through on these videos. Like he has a 30 day wheelie challenge, like a video to go with, go with almost every day, instructing you on what to do written stuff. He has a Facebook group that you can join too. If you like buy one of his videos and it's crazy, like everybody multiple times a day, people are posting up videos of them doing something, asking for help. And the whole community pitches in, gives their thoughts. Ryan comes in on every single one of them, gives his thoughts. It's really cool. Cool. I've heard good things about it. Actually. I've heard a lot of people talking about it and I, I need a coach. I know I, I would definitely benefit by getting a coaching session and just actually having them correct all my bad habits and all I, you know, I've ridden with a couple of great riders and they are gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's straight up. And when you say coach, you're talking about a technical skills coach. Yeah, exactly. Just like, yeah. Lee McCormick or something. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. So yeah, I, I would recommend that. And the cool thing is too, I don't know about there. It sounds like you're in Colorado along the front range. I don't know if they have any like six pack Enduros or anything like that, but a lot of the time there are Enduro races that in certain areas, like here in Reno, we have them occasionally. They're totally free. So you just show up, you bring some beer and that's the entry Hang fee out. pretty much, you yep. know, and then, uh, winners to winners go the spoils. <laughs> so, yeah. and they're usually generous enough to share. So, uh, yeah, that's the cool part about an enduro race too. It can kind of be done that way. Like you can do it off the cuff like that. It's not like you have to rope off a course or anything. You can just have short segments and, and make it safe. So, yeah. Um, Brent, he says, Hey guys, love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Question about XC training and training in general. I'm a very routine checklist oriented type of guy. I've been searching long and hard. And I put this in here because I almost feel like this is somebody from the company I work for trainer road, (laughs) like trying to pitch this, but I've never heard anybody like provide themselves as such a perfect use case for trainer road. It's funny that you said that because I was thinking the exact same, right? Yeah. I was like, I was like, Nate definitely wrote this. Yeah. Which is the CEO of trainer road. I looked at, I was like, Brent, we don't have a, there are about 50 people that work at trainer road. And I went through all the names really quick and I was like, yeah, no, no Brent. It's a pseudonym. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yeah. It, it really means Nate. Yeah. In Canadians. That's in what it Canadian. means. Yeah. French Canadian. <laughs> French Canadian. Uh, he says, uh, I'm a very routine checklist oriented type of guy. I've been searching long and hard for about two years, but with varying work schedules as I am in the military and other life issues, I've never been able to find a training plan, uh, period or one 
he says, that will necessarily work for me. I've read a book on endurance training and tried to build a plan myself, but it seems so complicated that I lost interest. And I can totally understand that. Um, Really, the the the, the go to source for training knowledge is a book that uh, is called Training and Racing with the Power Meter. Yeah. Um, because honestly, if you're going to talk about structuring your training, power is the only way to do it. Like, yeah. don't mess around with the other stuff. It's three hundred and fifty bucks. You could buy a stages this week. I saw for clear out or close out like an XT yeah. crank arm on stages website. It's really not that expensive compared to many things that we put on our bike. Yeah. And the benefit that will give you in terms of training benefit is through the roof. So. If that's honestly training and racing with a power meter, they discuss every aspect, but dude, it it's, it's deep <laughs> dense. Yes. Dense. And it will be tough to really stay motivated through that. So I totally get that. Um, it takes a lot of work to lay out an effective training plan. He says, I love an all inclusive plan with diet and a weekly schedule to, to keep committed to. Do you guys have any recommendations where I, and I'm sure others could find plans like this? My biggest issue is time. I can only ride mountain on the weekends and can only work out three times a week because of my time constraints. Hope it wasn't too long of a question. Thanks in advance for the feedback. Well, well Ryan or Brent, his training plan should be trainer road. Yes. <laughs> and it will have you doing three days of intense workouts. Yeah. And Sweet then you spot can, base, low yep, volume. Yep. Done. And then you can go into short power build or, or general build, depending on if you're living in an area where it's like long sustained climbs or just sustained power build. If it's just typical general build, or if it's like really short, constant undulating climbs, short power build, it's pretty simple. And then we have an XCO and an XCM plan and it's like straight up just, it's three days. It's like exactly what you needed there. XCO. XCO and XCM. Olympic, Olympic and a, marathon. Yes. Okay. XCO. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. XCO is uh, cross country Olympic. That's modern day cross country racing. That usually means that it's somewhere around 90 minutes and it happens on short circuits. Okay. Multiple and, laps. Yep. And, uh, then XCM or cross country marathon. That's the other br- breed of cross country racing. That's just endurance focus. So those are usually three hours plus four hours, uh, even upwards of four to five hours. So those are your Tahoe trail one hundreds. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Leadville is its own beast. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's beyond. That's course. called road racing. We'll get <laughs> into that later. But, yeah. um, but anyways, uh, that's the, what I would, it's honestly like a perfect thing. Now diet is one thing you mentioned there and it does not take care of the diet portion. Nope. Um, there, that is a rabbit hole that you should go down. Yes. I think every person needs to understand what, what their body responds to and how to do that. I do have a couple quick tips for that. I know Brian, you, you stay away from yeah. From a certain thing. A lot of, a lot of random stuff. So it took yeah. me probably until I was probably 30 years old to realize, Hey, gluten messes me up. If I have a slice of pizza, I am running to the bathroom within 15 minutes. And it took me a long time to actually figure that out. Hmm. Dairy gives me zits. Like I have all these weird things about <laughs> that took me so long to figure out. So listen to your body. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. listen to your body. Like you shouldn't be having headaches every week or, you know, like right. you start cutting stuff out dialing it back and you're, you'll be well on your way. Yeah. yeah. And it's pretty simple. And I think that that's the, the key thing is learning to listen to your body. That's very important. Uh, if people could only figure that part out, I think that they would make big, big progress toward whatever, wherever they're going to with their nutrition. And, and the, cause the fact is it's so individual, like, yeah. like Brian said, pizza gives him issues with the gluten in there, but it may not give somebody else. I mean, exactly. I know people that eat pizza on the bike, <laughs> so it's they're all called Clydesdales. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it's all individual. So yeah. you really have to figure that out. A couple guidelines that I would help you or that I would provide with that is, um, I know that 
so Fitbits and things like that, they probably won't give you a very direct calorie measurement as this is N equals one or N equals three, I guess you could say, because with myself, our head coach, Chad Timmerman at trainer road, and then our CEO, Nate Pearson, all three of us have been going through like rounds of physiological testing to prove some things and to understand more about our bodies. And you know, the calorie counters you log into on the internet and use, they have been within 100 calories of being precise to what our actual resting metabolic rate is. So your resting metabolic rate just means like if you were to lay down, but be awake all day, that would be your resting. In other words, like keep your organs moving. That's your resting metabolic rate. Don't move or think too much. (laughs) Exactly. But just exist. Exactly. That would be your resting metabolic rate. In other words, how many calories you burn just to stay alive and functioning. Now, granted, we burn more than that when we go about our day. But when you're sitting at a computer, you don't burn a whole lot more calories than that. You're practically dead at a computer. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you have to figure in that you're going to be burning more than that. But... So I would recommend getting some or using one of those calculators online. If you really care about it, you can go and get your basal metabolic rate tested or resting metabolic rate. It's two slightly different things, but they're often used interchangeably. You can get that tested. It's usually like 150 bucks um, if you really want to get into that. Um, and then you can figure out some more things with testing, but honestly, I would just use one of those online calculators, find out where your baseline is, and then just shoot for a small deficit. If you're looking to manage that weight and cut it down or just shoot for replenishing that if you don't need to cut weight and you're looking to fuel your workouts. Yep. Straight simple. Just be very simple about it. Yep. Yep. And then the best part of a power meter too, is that you can measure your work in terms of kilojoules or calories directly relates over. So you can actually like measure the calories that you are doing on that bike. So you have like a constant that you can use is in that equation to figuring things out, which is really helpful. So, uh, Dave, he says, I love the podcast and hope you keep doing this for a long time. That's the plan. That's the plan. We, I think. we you know, we were thinking about stopping next week, <laughs> but I'm joking. Final we're, episode. Yeah. Yeah. No joke. We're, yeah, we're no double digits for us. Yeah. We're done. Yeah, yeah. It's done there. No, we're, we're planning on keeping this going for a long time. Uh, he says, keep up the good work. I'm still kind of new to mountain biking. So this might be a dumb question. Uh, I live in Utah and ride mostly cross country trails along the Wasatch front, which consists of steady climbs and average around 1200 foot elevation gain. I have a Niner jet RDO with a two by 10 Shimano XT group set, but I'm considering converting to a one by I'd say that's a good consideration. Yes. And Steven and I will talk about something we discussed this week with this one, but he says, first, would this switch, uh, would this switch be beneficial or should I just stick with the two by and this kind of, uh, let's go, let's just cover that first. <laughs> What do you say? Well, I think that there's plenty of advantages going to a one by simplicity. Um, you don't need the front derailleur anymore, especially when you start getting into the 11 and 12 speeds. Um, as far as a one by 10, he's going to be very limited in what shifts correctly in a wide range setup on any 10 speed derailleur. One up wolf tooth with their goat links, with their 17 tooth cog and the f- replacement 40 tooth. I'm and sorry. That's next question. Yeah. yeah. So it, let's finish this yeah, question. I'll, actually. I'll say that. Yeah, that, that's perfect. He says, um, he says second, if it, uh, if it is better to move to one by, should I just switch over the, to a one by 10 keeping and using the cassette that I have, 
or should I look at upgrading the whole system to an 11 speed? I've heard that you can replace some of the cassette cogs with wolf tooth, wolf tooth cogs to give better gearing and other companies make those too. Uh, but that seems like the shifting indexing would be messed up. I would appreciate your thoughts. And yeah, yes, I've, that's going to be your problem. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've ever installed on any bike, whether it's a one up or a, a wolf tooth, there always ends up being some sort of shifting issue and weird issue there. And it's, you can get it to shift perfect one way, not the other. And I'm a professional mechanic, so it's not like, I don't know how to set yeah. these things up. They just, there's always something a little bit off. Yep. So I would personally go to a one by 11 and you can run X O one, XT XT. Then you don't even have to change out your free hub. Then you don't have to change your free hub or anything like that. Just yep. do an XT 8,000 1142 setup with a one, you know, just doing it one by yep. do a medium cage XT 8,000 derailleur and you're done. You're you could even go for the 1146 and you could go for the 1146 to get a little bit wider range. But personally going from the second gear to the first gear on that is yep. a weird jump and it always shifts a little funny. Hmm. So if you want that wider range, I would stick to E 13s, TRS plus yes or TRS race 11 speed. And then you get the 944 or 946 range, which is better than Eagle. Yep. When you will need to, if you go with the E13 cassette or a SRAM cassette, you'll need need an an XD XD driver, driver, which just replaces the free hub. Um, most hubs have some type of an XD driver option. Most good hubs, I should say, you know, DT Swiss, um, hope, I'm thinking of like different hubs that, that would work with that. Chris so, King. Chris King. Every, yep. All of them. Shimano hubs won't. Yep. SRAM hubs will have interchangeability, but mm-hmm. either or. Whichever yeah. way you want to go with it, but just go to your local bike shop if you don't know exactly what to switch to yep. or what free hub you need or if it's available, but that's my recommendation. Yeah, and it's it's hard to explain. When you explain the benefits of one by on paper, it doesn't tell the whole story. No. When you ride with a one by it's like almost liberating compared to having a two by. Yeah. It is. It's it's a pain to have that front thing up. But man, save your money. Don't 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 go don't go down this rabbit hole. Of like <laughs> needing to fix your bike and change your bike. Your bike's fine, man. Just just keep it as yeah. it is. Spend your money on something else, and then when you get your next bike, it'll come with a one by. It'll be fine. Point. If you buy a modern bike, it's going to come. Well, in most cases, it's going to come with a one by. I mean, a Jet Nine RDO is not an old bike by any means. Certainly. You know, but if you buy one, that's a 2016, 2017, chances are that bike is going to have a one buy. Yes, of course. Um, unless it's like a marathon specific one, which brings me to something I wanted to discuss really quick. Steven and I, (laughs) this week we took Shimano has like a drivetrain selector. And it said this drivetrain selector actually said that you are a two two by rider. Which I just, I found absurd, <laughs> insulting, um, terrible. Uh, I was but, firmly placed in the one by. Yes. And the reason that it said that, I assume, is because it said that I did long rides. Yes. We were trying to figure out the algorithm and how it actually tells you what you should use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I did long rides. And I completely disagree <laughs> with, with two by 10 being a better option just because your rides are longer. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's, and honestly, with Eagle, the range that you can get now, I'm sorry, but, well, yeah, but Shimano's not trying cassette. to get you on yes. exactly. Eagle drivetrain yeah. parts. And the E13 cassette option like that. So stepping away from their algorithm and their little tool that they have, which I'd more call it a gimmick than yeah. a tool, yeah. but <laughs> stepping away from that, you have with a one by, you have, I would argue, a much better solution for marathon riding yeah. because you're spending a long day on the bike. Every, t- every moment that you're on the trail is opportunity for a mechanical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you s- can simplify your bike, 
Yes. That is the best thing you can do to aid against mechanicals. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. one, so they're flagging the ground almost like, hey, no, really, you, there still, still are people that need a two-by. Like, exactly. It's, yes. <laughs> My favorite. Ram fired all of their yeah. front drivetrain yeah. engineers. Yeah, they're gone. And Shimano built this algorithm gear selector. <laughs> built yeah. number two-by. <laughs> and I, I love that. Shimano, which which I, I definitely prefer SRAM stuff to Shimano, and I know there are a lot of people that are shooting internet bullets at their whatever they're looking at and listening to us on right now. Yeah, yeah. But I I just I when when they came out when they were trying to catch up to one by, and they started talking about the benefits of two by being rhythm and step. You remember that? Oh gosh, <laughs> rhythm yes. and step. Those are their marketing terms to talk about, like that it's much more important to have smaller gaps between the yeah. gears. And they're trying to point out that, like, and I get it from a marketing perspective. I'm a marketing professional. You basically look at the problems that are not solved by the other product, and then you see if your product solves them, and then you use that as a as a bargaining point or yeah. a, a argument point, right? So I mean, it makes sense. But it's then they come out with an 1146. Yeah, where's your rhythm and step, <laughs> Shimano? I think you lost it. Yes, no, that was last year. That was last year. No, yeah, yeah. This is, this is all it's really new. not important anymore. Yeah, just it was just important last year. So, anyways, yeah, yep. that's my rant. I apologize, uh, John. He says I'm a longtime listener of the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast. Thanks, John, and glad there's now a mountain bike podcast of the same caliber. Five stars for both. My question is, what you wear under your baggies for trail riding? Something with a chamois is a must, of course, but do you wear liner shorts, road shorts, and road bibs, um, super glue a chamois directly to your skin? Heavens no, that would be terrible. Um, specific brands or models you found good and that don't have a chamois in a weird position for mountain biking would be great to hear too. Cheers. And I, John, I also know that you were joking about gluing a chamois to your skin. <laughs> well, you won't get any chafing. <laughs> sure. It's not going to move if on it's you. It's like constant. If it's super glue, the whole thing, you yeah. just paste your backside with super glue. Serious. Why not? Uh, I mean, okay, seriously, we can get into the specifics <laughs> of why don't not. Don't have a slice of pizza. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you use, Stephen? Uh, so I use a mix of road chamois and I use Yeti's new Enduro bib. Okay. Um, the Enduro bib seems to be very comfortable. It's got a little swap pack in the back that lets you don't lose. say that. I'm sure that's trademarked. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> it is a tool device storage thing. Yes. In the things back for storage, water, water, air, yeah. tools, S W A T, things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um and I also use Mavic's um I use their high end, I think the H C short. Mm, um very which good. very good chamois and I just wear those under my baggies. What about you, Brian? Um just whatever came with my Fox shorts. It's like, it's a chamois. I it think worked. you have the sergeant shorts. Yeah, or ranger, or, ranger. No, maybe it's sergeant. But yeah, that has worked. Like, I'm actually pretty surprised how well my butt has held up in a lot of this stuff. Like, I never do chamois butter. I never do anything. And I've like, never yeah. done. My seat is, like, when I first got my Bronson, my seat kind of felt a little weird, but your butt just gets used to it. Yeah. And with the proper saddle, it becomes less important. That's huge. I don't want to say less important, but proper saddle is key to anything yeah. not destroying your backside. Mm -hmm. One key thing I think that uh, people need to understand with this is uh, you brought up a great point, John, is the position of the chamois is many times more important than the actual yep. shape of the chamois or the material. Yep. Um, so I have tried on a pair of Bontrager shorts that was good once, but all their other ones, the chamois is like rotated forward. <laughs> so my belly button kind of has some protection. <laughs> and then like the, the, every the business in the front has protection yeah. but it's like so far out of placement for your sit bones because really 
if your bike is fitting properly and you are sitting properly on your bike, your sit bones or the protrusions from your pelvis, those should be digging into the saddle. Yep. That should be anchoring you, right? Yes. And this, the chamois was so far forward that I was actually right there. That was the seam of the chamois. Yeah. Which is not good. Oh, at all. terrible. You'll yeah. get horrendous chafing with that. Yep. And that will make you think that you need chamois butter when it could just be the fact that your, your chamois is in the wrong spot. Yeah. And it can also be the opposite. It can be like up your back. So you're padding your lower spine, but you yeah. know, it's, it's way out of placement. My tramp stamp tattoo is perfectly it's, safe. It's safe. No worries. Yeah. So, but that's something that I think a lot of people, um, misunderstand and they should, um, they, sh- they should pay more attention to that. Uh, I, I use Quare, uh, C-U-O-R-E, their stuff. I see Zach nodding over there. He's used it too. And it's honestly, it's, the best, they are the best bib shorts I've used. I'm very picky because I have, if I was to scratch my forehead right now, it would be red for the rest of this podcast. You're a delicate flower in general. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. I don't want to say you're a snowflake like Zach, but you're definitely a delicate yeah, flower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Zach's I, a millennial if you guys haven't figured yeah, that out yet. So if, but if I scratch my skin, it would be red and irritated. Yeah. And this, this stuff I've tried Osos. They suck, in my opinion. <laughs> those are ridiculously expensive. Very expensive. Yeah. They are not worth the money. They're they're good. I shouldn't say they suck. They're good, but they are not worth all of that money. Yeah. Um, I've tried everything. So my favorite bib shorts, number one, Quare has their gold bib short. It's fantastic. It's very, it's not cheap, Yeah. but it's worth it. Yeah. And I think that they're even going to have a new website up in the next like five days or something. Okay. It's supposed to allow people an easier experience in buying just blank stuff because usually it's just custom apparel. Yeah. But you should be able to do that. Um, the next one is the Specialized Pro SL bib short. This thing is very comfortable. Like in some ways, I like it even more than the Quare bibs. But uh, the one spot where I do find that it's not so great is that it doesn't leave me a whole lot of room. And I know that sounds like I'm <laughs> bragging or something, but it doesn't leave you a whole lot of room. So, well, somebody has to. You got to have a place to carry your purse. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you don't wear a camel back. Yeah. Or a I shuttle don't. pack. So <laughs> yeah. 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 Makes sense. And I don't wear a yeah, shuttle pack. Just call them a fanny pack. That's <laughs> what they really are. Yeah. Um, but so those are the ones that I use. I always wear bibs. I would or bibs. I don't wear shorts. Yeah. Um and part of the reason is that you have something digging into your stomach. And usually when you ride for a long time, your gut does swell. You get GI distress because you're working hard. Your body can't send blood to your digestive process to be able to aid in that. So you do swell some. And I will tell you, I never bought into that until mm. I started wearing bibs and then I got it. Yep. So it's, I'm slowly transitioning as all of my Mavic HC shorts and chamois do wear out by the way, people they do, they do wear out yep. and you'll get to a point where you're like, wow, my backside hurts and it's never hurt after a ride. That's it's, time to throw I'll that away and get a new one. Mind, Cause yeah. I've especially, definitely been riding the same pair of shorts for a long time. And I was yeah. just about to say, especially in liners that come with shorts, those, yeah. those chamois are not very high quality. No. So that foam breaks down a lot faster than good $150 chamois. And it also, those liners are not very elastic in most cases. So yeah. they'll shift around more. And yes. the last thing you want is your chamois shifting on your skin. Yes. You want your chamois to be like a second skin. Yeah. So it never moves. So you don't chafe or anything else yep. like that. So that's what I use there. Um, and that's what, what I would recommend. And then I use over shorts pretty regularly cause I don't want to scratch up my, my nice bibs. So there you go. Yep. Mavic stuff is great too. Yep. That's one thing I was going to recommend. Uh, let's go into David. He says, can you share your thoughts on how important TPI is for XC racing? 
This sounds like a Steven question. It is. Uh, specifically looking at the difference between the new Bontrager XR1 at 120 TPI and the specialized fast track now only in 60 TPI. Is the puncture protection better in 60? Is the price difference for the higher TPI worth it? Okay. First so of wait, all, wait, no, what, go ahead. what is TPI? So TPI is about? threads per inch. It's on a tire. On a tire. Okay. It's how many threads per inch of the casing basically the casing of the tire is the threads of nylon or threads of Kevlar, how fine the individual strands are. So the higher the TPI, the smaller each individual strand is. TPI has nothing to do with puncture protection. Mm. TPI is the higher the TPI, the better compliance and better formability the tire has around objects like rocks and the terrain that you're on. Hmm. So it's a more flexible casing. It has nothing to do with puncture protection at all. Is it heavier usually? No. A higher TPI? Not necessarily, no. That has very little to do with it. Okay. TPI is just about conformability of the tire and the carcass itself. Interesting. The puncture protection comes from, you look at Specialized with their Fast Track specifically. Yes, they have a 60 TPI version, but they have the Fast Track tubeless. Mm -hmm. Then they have the Fast Track grid. The control, grid. Yeah, the Fast Track control. Mm -hmm. They have S-Works being the lightest duty. Mm -hmm. yes. Control, then grid. And grid the grid, being the heaviest duty. Yeah, and the grid is a 70 gram deficit, but it's like Maxxis's EXO or like uh, um, Schwalbe's snakeskin sidewall or mm -hmm. uh, WTB's tough, fast casing. It's an extra layer of protection, of Kevlar uh, protection in the sidewall. Mm -hmm. That is what your puncture protection comes from. So the fast track 60 TPI in the grid casing will be just as strong as the XR1 from Bontrager. The only difference is the 120 TPI is a more compliant casing. That's it. And I think that, so I, and I know a guy that does a lot of the testing on specialized tires, okay. um, knows what he's doing. Brian Gordon, really smart dude. And I would assume that they wouldn't just drop that or go to 60 TPI and accept the fact that their tire is less compliant. I'm sure they've done other things to the tire to change the compliance of the tire so that they're getting it to handle well or work and, well. And that's the thing is durometer of rubber, number of casings. There's so many different things that play into a tire's workability and how it conforms to the trail and what traction advantages there are. There's so much that goes into it. So TPI is just one very small piece of the puzzle when it comes to tires. So what do you usually look for in terms of TPI number? What usually, what tires do you go with? What TPI are they at? Uh, typically like when I run Mavic tires, yeah. they are a two ply 66 TPI casing. Okay. So there's a layer of rubber, mm -hmm. a 66 TPI layer of Kevlar, another layer of rubber, another layer of 66 TPI, uh, dual Kevlar yep. and then another layer of rubber on the outside. That is the Mavic tire that I use. Uh, the T the uh, TRS race from E13, which I'll be using on the new Yeti 5.5. Uh, they're similar a little bit more than EXO casing mm -hmm. from Maxxis. Um, but really what I look for is more pinch flat and sidewall protection. I don't necessarily look at TPI specifically on any of my tires at all. Cool. Yeah, so it's just one of the things because it's one of the variables that could be that w could and will be affected by many other things. Steven's adjusting his compression socks, his old woman socks from his surgery. Thank you. Um, yeah, just thought I'd point that out. They yeah. can't see these things. They've got a. They just didn't need to know about. They it, can't though. miss it. It's I'm very so embarrassed about my old lady <laughs> socks. My varicose veins are not showing right now, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> Terry says I have a Trek twenty seven point five. 
plus FS MTB with 66 tube, 66 degree head tube angle and think it handles too slow for rolling terrain, especially uphill switchbacks. How can I speed up the geometry? I've already flipped the minnow chip. Can I put a 2.4 inch tire onto the front with a 40 millimeter rim? Kay. Thanks. Great podcast. Real quick thing. Starting at the beginning. Real quick. Yes. If anybody doesn't know about mountain biking, which I'm sure they aren't listening to this podcast at this point, but yep. maybe they are. That question would be gibberish. If you weren't, yeah. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There. I don't even know if Zach knows what's going on right <laughs> Do now. Do you want to break it down? Okay, so a Trek 27.5 plus full suspension mountain bike with a 66 degree head tube angle. I don't know what bike that is. Because Looks like a Trek session. <laughs> Quit saying <laughs> Trek session. So the it's a pink foot pink bike joke. If anybody can get the that. Trek Fuel EX twenty seven five plus has a sixty seven point two degree head tube angle. I don't know any other full suspension Trek twenty seven five plus bike. Um, so the sixty six head tube angle, I'm not getting. I don't know where we're. Maybe at with he that. just got super sendy for a while, and the frame got Maybe. a little stretchy. It could be. Yeah, it could be. Maybe <laughs> it's um, a modified sixty six. So either way, so it's a, it's a plus bike at this point. So you're going to have a little bit of a slower, sluggish handling characteristic to begin with. Um, on that bike, you're not going to be able to put any sort of angle set headset in because it has that new. Uh, it has Trek's new design where they did that headset with the limiter cups in it. Oh, that's right. Yep. Um, so he's not really going to be able to do anything to steepen the head tube angle if he wanted to anyway. And short of switching out the fork, there's not much you're going to be able to do there. Um, personally, I just think you need to get used to the bike and you know, maybe you're sitting back too far on the bike. You're feeling a little bit, um, sluggish on the front end because of that. The next question, and I'll let you guys answer everything else. The next question is putting a 2.4 inch tire on a 40 mil rim. No, you can't do that. That would not be a good idea. So too skinny, yes, way too too skinny skinny of a tire for that. You know, a 2.4, you should be maximum 31 mil internal. Yeah. Um, some, you know, like the, the Derby and Ibis rims are 35 mil internal and people put two, three and two fours on those all the time, but you're really talking firmly in the plus territory on that 40 mil rim. So you need to be two seven or bigger. So best thing is honestly, if you want to put regular tires on that bike, it's a 27.5 plus, I believe that bike should handle 29s all day long. Just get a 29 Mm -hmm. inch wheel set. standard size and be done with it. That could work. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you've ridden a lot of bikes and I'm sure some of them that you've ridden have felt pretty sluggish and tight terrain at times or, you know, it's funny because I ride so many different trails and so many different types of terrain that I, I really, it's all apples and oranges. I feel like, I feel like I'm not at the point where it's like, yep, the rolling resistance was bad. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm doing Downeyville one day. I'm in Spain the next day. It's like so many different things that I'm still not at the point where I could say, yep, it was the rolling resistance. Was it was Brian the tire. just bragging right there? <laughs> it was a humble brag. Down even one day and spend the next day. <laughs> it was a humble brag. Like, it's, quite the humble brag. Uh, if I wasn't honest. a bum knee right now, I probably would have punched him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Bring Brian's it. Bring it. Guy. <laughs> yeah. I, so one thing that I, I, Stephen, I'm glad you said get used to the bike. Yeah. Because that's one thing that I've found is I've ridden with guys that are on like the Trek stash, for example, or that are riding like an older giant rain or something like that, where those things were like limousines in length, right? Super long bikes, not agile. Yeah. And they have gotten up really, really like terrain that was giving me problems and that you would think that a bike like that would have problems with. 
it can be more difficult to get used to that. And I totally understand that. And it can be frustrating, but at the same time, the one thing that I would just say is you can make slight changes to the fit. Perhaps like Steven said, maybe move your saddle forward slightly, uh, put yourself more over the bike rather than behind it. That could help a lot. Um, look at where you're sitting with your bars and, and if they're, you know, if they're really high or they're really low, that could be throwing off your ability to put proper leverage on the bike. There are a lot of different things with bike fit, but then also technique, um, you just, you really have to get used to the tool. I mean, yeah. if you handed a, if you handed a foreign set of knives to a sushi chef, you'd probably butcher the fish for a bit mm-hmm. and then you get used to it. It's just what happens. Yeah. And so, that's, yeah, it, it, totally. You need to get used to it because every bike is different. Your last bike, I don't care if you set your fit up the same, your last bike handles totally different than your new bike. And it takes it you a minute to get used to it. Yeah. That's just yeah. how it goes, man. Yep. One thing that Steven and I saw in the news, we're not going to cover too much in the news this, this week because there really wasn't a whole lot, but um, two things. Uh, well, actually, third thing, first thing is Andy's Pacifico, that wrapped up, which yes. is pretty sweet. That that race is just awesome. Looks incredible. The people are awesome and kind with it as well. Um, I'm, just a, I'm just a fan of that one. And someday I hope to actually go to that race um, because I could visit my mi gente there in Chile, which would be awesome. But And see the local cows. Cows too. Cows are great. Yeah. Sure. I'm not sure where that goes. Do the cows like moo in Spanish? They do. Yeah. They have great accents. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. Um, They don't drink milk either. The cows don't? No. Leche. Give Ah. milk. (laughs) Forgive me. They just give leche. So they do. Bad jokes. Anyways, um, Jerome Clements won it. Yes. We are not surprised we called that. We not did. that it was really an Nostradamus thing to call that and very, you know, tricky to call. No. He's just and not, that's not saying anything about the other competitors. Just Jerome is so good at placing well in an enduro. Yeah. It's not necessarily about winning every stage. It's about being fast across the day. Yeah. He's just a surgeon. Yeah. When it comes to riding. So good. Um, and then dude, the locals did really well. They did. So second, fourth place, then they round out the top 10 from seventh up. So pretty darn cool to see. Um, uh, Yoan Borelli did well. He's a, a big name and he's riding the Comensal this year, which yeah. is a new thing for him. Um, and our boy Marco Osborne got 11th. 11th. Yeah. He didn't get that stage when he got fifth on one of the stages, but he didn't get that stage win like we wanted to, or I should say he got fifth on the day. Maybe we psyched him out. <laughs> I think it might've Sorry, been Marco. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Listen to it on the flight over. Just got all hyped got up. All, yeah, we got them all going. Um, the other thing that, um, one quick thing, Rachel Atherton got sports person of the year. Um, kudos. She, we've talked about it before. She deserves it, man. She's yeah, she dominant. So pretty cool. The Jeff C come, came out in a two seven, which is good. YT Jeff C. Yes. Um, it's their 29 inch trail bike yep. and it now came out in a 27 inch. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome for those who didn't want the 29 inch version. Yep. For those who wanted a bike that pedaled better than the Capra. Great. Yep. They say that this bike is like a mix now between a perfect mix between the Jeff C and the Capra. Yeah. So uh, if you've ridden the Capra, which Brian, yep. you rode the Capra, yeah. and we were together yep. on that ride, and you didn't ride the Jeffsy. No. It was probably the Jeffsy probably would have been a better bike for the trails. I think so wrote. too. I think so too. Um, your overall thoughts on the Capra when you rode it? You know, that, that's like one of those things where the the trail just really didn't do it justice. It wasn't a full ride to really get some ripping like out of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm still up in the air. I still want to test ride the Jeffsy for sure. Yeah, it's kind of. Kind of in the middle, right? It was exactly. Just, it was okay. Exactly. Yeah. That was yeah, kind so- of like my turning point. I'm like, 
because a lot of what I built my channel around was like test riding bikes and test riding all these different bikes. And when I was like, I really don't have anything to say about this. I don't feel like I'm feeling good about this now. Yeah. Like yeah. I kind of want to be able to say, hey, I, it feels this way. It feels that way. But when I was so vanilla about that bike, I was like, hmm, it doesn't feel right anymore. Well, and that's, and that's part of the problem is if you didn't get a proper trail to properly ride exactly. that bike to exactly. its abilities, yep. then yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah, so. I totally do. And then uh, the last thing that uh, we wanted to cover was the Shockwiz from oh, yeah. Quark. So Quark, if you don't know, that's Q-U-A-R-Q. They are a subs- uh, subsidiary of, of, of SRAM. Um, so SRAM owns Zip. They own Truvative. They own a lot of different companies. Somebody needs to make a bike industry chart. Yeah. It has all the parents and grandparents There's and a lot. siblings and children. It's because, incestuous. Yeah. yeah. Pearl Izumi um, and Shimano. It, it goes on and on and it on. Does. It's like I reveal more every day. It's crazy. Yeah. So, and, and they are well known for their power meters. They're very good. Yeah. Um, they measure just as precisely as any other of the highest end power meters, but they do so in an easy to use way and everything else. This sounds like a Quark ad. <laughs> I'm not trying to go for that. I just really like my Quark power meter on my road bike. It's awesome. Uh, really good ones. And I, and I have used every power meter available on the market because of the work that I do. And theirs are definitely theirs and stages are the two ones that I can recommend across the board. But now they're doing suspension analysis, which is kind of cool. I like it. I want to try it. I want to play with it. I think that it, it will be a useful tool for somebody like Steven or myself. I think it could be an information overload for somebody like you, Brian, yes, yes. because you've got data now. What are you going to do with it? Right? Exactly. But if you can get that data and you understand what that data means, that's the key. And I think that that's, this is a situation where you're going to need to understand the implications of this. Yeah. So if they build that into an app that delivers that, so that basically like you put the little device, it's a little cube that sits on your bike and it actually hooks up into the air pressure where you would hook on your shock pump. Yeah. And then what they, it does is it monitors pressure and it monitors um, with accelerometers, how your shock is moving and how the bike is moving. And then with all of that, it can draw conclusions about how things are performing. Yeah. So it's, I think that it's a good idea. And I think that paired with the right app that's giving you the key once again, is just making sure that you get the right takeaways from it instead of just like raw data. Yeah. Then I think it's effective. Absolutely. We really want to test it out. Yes. Because we're about as nerdy as it gets with bikes. Yeah. So it would be awesome. Quark, if you're listening, (laughs) We'd like to get one, yeah. um, and we'll do a very, very in-depth review. Very thorough. Yes, thorough. Like like Stephen gives gave thorough review of the Chinese food we just had. <laughs> Quite thorough. I, I didn't give a review of that yet. That's true. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to, uh, let's get down to business. It's business time. Uh, Brian, let's talk to you about uh, your about what you do. Yeah. So basically, so you have this channel called BKXC, uh, Brian Kennedy XC, and it does and yeah. it does not mean cross country no, anymore, kinda, right? It, it's kind of cool, like because it's like you're going across the country. You know, it's like almost yeah, like a travel kind of thing. You can use it. Yeah. It's flexible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you have uh. Tell me what the channel is about. I guess. Yeah. And what you do. so the channel is about mountain biking, the best trails in the world. I've always had this, so I'll, I'll tell the abbreviated story as best as I can okay. about once I got obsessed about mountain biking and I just wanted more time to go travel and to go ride all these great tra- 
trails. You'd see the Yeti video. They're in Nepal. They're here. They're there. Like everywhere. It's like, oh man, these are so great. Like my bucket list was just adding up and adding up. And you know, I had a normal nine to five job and two weeks of vacation a year. And you can't do that. You can't go travel the world. You can't do everything you want to do. So I basically was always thinking about building a side business that would allow me to get passive income, to, to basically kind of do this over on the side that wouldn't leave me chained to my desk, but would still allow me to go ride the best trails in the world. Yeah. And uh, basically experimented with some YouTube stuff, affiliate links, and then I saw Nate Hill's video, uh, Lower Hangover, that yeah. changed my life when I saw that video <laughs> because I basically had been thinking about this kind of stuff and on the back burner that... I could do different YouTube stuff. When I saw that video and heard the audio and saw how clear it was, I was like, oh, this is the business right here. This is what I've been looking for. And it was like a lightning bolt hit me basically. And basically the idea of like, okay, I could talk about products. I could build a brand. I could go travel. And it's been done many, many times on YouTube in all different walks of life. Yeah. But mountain biking there's a couple good YouTubers on mountain biking for Make sure, but like there's yeah. exactly, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of holes to be filled yeah. on YouTube and there's so many people and I took off my cool. second or third video. People started finding it. It was like the giant trance advanced test ride and people really liked it. And I just knew, you know, 10 subscribers in or whatever that just going to take time. People really like it. Keep doing, keep getting better. And and now you're at how many subscribers? 36,000 It's a lot right of now. people. It is. If you think about it's that a in a room or like, it yeah. Feels up to, to, if anybody needs a point of reference, Anaheim Angels Stadium's capacity is 36,000 people. There you go. How did you know that? It's, it's, <laughs> that bothers me. <laughs> Just a little bit. Super cross. Oh, uh, there you I've go. I've been to that race so many times there because they have three races at that stadium per year. And I've been there so many times when it's sold out and they announced that it's 36,000, like 266 or something. Okay, that, like that story's yeah. not as cool as I thought. <laughs> Sorry. I thought it. you were going to be like some nerd, like, oh, I just Wikipedia. Counted the seats. Like no. on Saturday nights when I'm drinking my Mormon cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> no, way cooler. I actually went to Supercross yeah. races. So. so now I can't make fun of you. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you have a ton of subscribers. You've been... And, and, and it's the, here's the cool thing. So, I mean, we, we do a lot of this stuff for marketing for work and everything else. And what the really valuable thing that you do is engagement and yeah. uh, you really, you, anybody comments on your videos, not anybody don't be almost, almost anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like as long as you're not like just being a troll and a total jerk. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, you respond to pretty much everybody on your I channel. Do. I do the, my, my best for sure. And that's something where I wonder where that day will come when I can't anymore it's gonna and be how tough. many comments I get, but I get a ton of comments, but it doesn't hold me back. I, I can go through them and, and answer, and especially if it's a well thought out reasoned comment, happy to, happy to reply. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and I've, here's the thing that I like about it. You stick to what you do best and you know best yeah. rather than trying to overreach. So, um, you know, when people ask about certain things that you don't know about, you just share what you know yeah. and you're honest. Exactly. About it, which I, is cool. I'm all about exposing ignorance. Like yeah. this is me, this is who I am. And I think, that's what YouTube is about. It's about really showing who you are and not yeah. making up anything, not putting on a fake guise. It's being like, hey, no, I just ride the bikes, man. I don't know that much. I want to learn. I want to get better. I yeah. want to train. I want to win an XC race. Like I'm just laying it all out there, who I am, and people connect with that. And that's what I think is the most important thing about YouTube is connection and making yeah. friends. 
Yeah, it's pretty cool. I dig it. Um, in fact, I found your stuff really early on. Mm-hmm. I got a gimbal. Yeah. And then I saw your video okay. right then. There was a gimbal. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So from the early times. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty awesome, and it's been cool to see see it grow. Yeah. You've been all over the place now. Um, you've been to Spain. You've been to New Zealand. You've been, geez, everywhere. What's been your favorite place, whether it be in the U.S. or anywhere else? What is your Spain. favorite place to ride? Spain, Spain has been the number one for sure. I went to uh, the Basque country. Basque MTB is the, the tour company, okay. and I had heard about these guys Basically, probably when I first got into mountain biking, I had seen the photos and, you know, maybe pink bike or in a magazine and just been like, oh my God, this looks so amazing. Yeah. And so that's almost where this dream had started, you know, of like Mm -hmm. traveling and going and doing it. So when I actually got to do, to actually get to go there in October, I kind of built it up in my head, maybe a little bit too much and expectations... The key to life, anyone that's listening, low expectations. Yeah. Like you and build something up in your yeah. head that you True. get so hyped up about, and then you're like, oh, it's a letdown. Basque MTB, Backcountry Pyrenees was not a letdown. It was awesome. And it was just cool. right in my perfect skill level for me. We rode hard. It was basically enduro. Five days of riding, I think we did. Three shuttles a day of just getting up in this crazy, loose, stony Spain just great food, great people. It, it was the total package, and I made great videos about it too. That's awesome. I, I, I would love to ride in Spain someday. I just want to quit my job and go do what Brian does now. Yeah, sounds do like it. a good more, deal. The yeah. more the merrier. And that, that's what's <laughs> funny. Like Tons of people email me all the time, and I, do it, man. If you can do it, if you can connect to, with people, like do it. Like, yeah. give it a try and see what happens. Don't quit your job, though, Stephen. You might no. have a very important surveying job on a civil engineering project coming up. And if that happens, I will be very comfortable knowing that you are at the realm or at the, at the helm of that one. Okay, thank you. He's a very detail-oriented person. Yeah. I like you directing people on that stuff. <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, that would be very good. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> especially as much money as they'll pay me. Yes. Um, yeah. So. One thing, if if I was to ask you, regardless of experience in the total thing, if you could go and ride one trail right now within the U.S., where okay. would it be? Where you've ridden? Okay, that I've already ridden. Yep. Where would I go back to? Ooh, you've been to Utah. I think it's the whole enchilada. The yeah, Moab. Moab. yeah, for sure. And we only did like three quarters enchilada. When we did, it was a little rainy, so you couldn't that, go up high. We couldn't go all the way up to the top. But man, that was a great day. And that's where the best is, right up at the top, Burrow Pass area, and everything else. When up there. you do that extra thousand feet after the shuttle drops you off. Yep, I've yeah. heard that's where the best trail is yeah. too. So, and it was a great How day cool. too because I was riding with my buddies Alexander, the single track sampler on YouTube, nice and my dude. other buddy Seth's bike hacks, and <clears> really it was dude. just yeah. a total bro day. You know, you like riding alone is great sometimes, but riding with your friends and and documenting that now i have that video forever to be able to go back and watch and be like oh man remember that time we did this and that and yeah it's pretty cool i I gotta admit other than the views on porcupine rim i give that trail a d (laughs) minus i hate that trail (laughs) it's just a big wide jeep trail the majority of it and it's just rocky and and i'm just like man but you still give it a passing grade it passes yeah yeah it passes maybe we should hold it back a grade yeah. yeah, we should make it repeat fourth grade again yeah. or something like that. You but didn't learn your fractions well yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah, come on, Porcupine Rim, um, which is part of the whole enchilada, by the way. Yeah. Um, what trail did you travel to and are you, were you least happy about or most disappointed in? You know, a couple... Or were you let down the most? A couple things in Oak Ridge that were like Waldo Lake, where it was just kind of a flat thing that was... Where's Oak Ridge? So Oak Ridge, Oregon. So yeah, gotcha. uh, yeah 
a lot of people go to Bend, but Oak Ridge is also kind of a mm-hmm. off the map, kind of a better destination that I've heard from a lot of people. I was kind of debating whether or not to go to Bend or Oak Ridge, and a lot of people said Oak Ridge. I went there. But yeah, Waldo Lake, it's like on the MTB project. It's an epic, but it was just kind of like around a lake and kind of flat and kind of like, oh man, it's kind of a waste of Should have brought a cross bike. <laughs> Should have brought a, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's never a good ride if you think that I could have probably done this on my cross yes. bike. Yeah. Yes. That's never a good ride. Unless um, you do it on your cross bike and you're really excited about and then, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I guess, has this whole experience made you dislike your home trails more? No, or? it hasn't actually. Like I've... I've so muddy and rainy right now back home. I live in yeah. Vallejo, California, San Francisco Bay Area. It's about so I haven't hours been, from here. Have not been able to get back on my home trails, but I it's nobody knows about it when I talk about where I live and stuff. They're like, "Oh, do you ride Marin County?" No, nobody rides Marin County. It's yeah. illegal to ride in Marin County. Yeah. Don't go there. Air quotes. Nobody <laughs> no, nobody rides Marin County. Yes, nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's all illegal. Or yep. air quoting yep. how hard here. Yep. But yeah, it's but my little local trails. I've got Skyline and Napa. Rockville and Fairfield, Crockett Hills and Crockett. Like I live in this perfect little triangle. Of You've got Annadale nearby. Annadale, yep, which exactly. Is small, but it's still it's, some good. No, it's still some good stuff. Yeah. I I live in a really good spot. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, it's pretty sweet stuff, man. Um, what's next for you guys? Because you've got, um, I mean, you, what's what are the big trips on the list, or what's what are you working? I've on got next? a lot. My schedule this year is already like almost locked down of everything nice. that I'm going on. Like so. I'm going to head down to Phoenix in a couple weeks and I'm going to do the Black Mountain Trail with Chunky. Western Spirit. And it's supposed to be like a three day, like a two, two night, two nights camping. Nice. And then I'm going to go to Sedona and check that out for the first time. And then right after that, I'm going to go to Australia and go to Tasmania, like Blue Derby. I've been hearing about that forever, yeah, like from cool. the start, like people have been talking about that and probably some stuff uh, in Victoria as well, Mount Buller and stuff. So Sweet. that's, that's what's on the list. If I don't burn out from that and get home, edit all the footage and get it up. And yeah. And then a few XC races after that. So nice. There's sea otter. I don't know if I'm going to do the XC race at sea otter, but there's just a lot of, lot of you stuff. You mean the road race up. on dirt? <laughs> Here's yeah. the cool thing this year. They're letting the cat ones do the pro course, which is cool, which is just within the infield, which, um, is it's, it's still certainly not like a, you know, a super gnarly course or anything else like that, but it's much better. It's not even a moderately or minorly gnarly yeah. course. Yeah, but it's much better, right? Okay. Which is cool. Yeah. Um, it'll be nice to have. Um, yes, dude, that's where would you ride, Steven, if you could pick anywhere to go? I really want to go to Rotorua. I want to do New Zealand. <laughs> New Zealand I want to do the North Island. Yeah. yeah, and I did the South Island, and the thing was, it was tough when I went to the South Island because the weather was not good. It was a lot of uh, rain, so we yeah. kind of got diverted from our A trails and B trails, and C, we were doing like D-list stuff that kind of like, uh, okay, this will of, be dry kind of in the rain. It was. So there is way more to go back to, and yeah. I will. I will go back. Place looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, I would love to ride there. Um I guess Chile is one that I want to cross off the list too. True. And that looks awesome. A lot of South American stuff seems to be like really up and coming and they're really excited about mountain biking, like out of the blue down there. So yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. uh, Colombia, Argentina. Yeah. Colombia would be awesome. I mean, yeah, I can't say it as cool as you. Cycling is practically like a national sport in some respects there in Colombia. So just pretty cool. So I thought, was a national sport <laughs> down there. Easy. Sorry. <laughs> you can bleep that out. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure that's really far off. From the truth. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I think times have changed there. So good. Yeah. Um, let's get into really the, the main thing that we're going to cover here. We're going to keep it somewhat short, but, um, 
we're going to go over the roadies guide to mountain biking. Cause last week we did the mountain bikers guide to road riding. Yeah. And we covered a lot of different things. Um, I, did we cover leg shaving? I was thinking, yes, about we that. did. We did. We okay. covered shaving. We cover leg. I mean, that's probably the most important thing about roadie culture. Yeah. And be shaved and look like you're strong. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, let's get into the, the roadies guide to mountain biking. Okay. So you're a roadie. No, you're a roadie. Okay. I'm a roadie. Um, and I'm uh, defending mountain bikes. Okay. Brian and I are, you're going to introduce me to mountain bikes and you're going to tell me all about these, the, these crazy misconceptions that I may have or fears that I have about, on nice. for, about mountain biking. Well, no, I need you to bring up those and then I'll will. defend them. Let's do it that way. Cause here's the deal. I'm terror and keep in mind people, this is a character, but <laughs> I, I'm terrified of, of turning a bicycle or well, bumps. It makes sense. It's terrifying. It is very terrifying. Yeah. Um, Traction could be lost at any moment. Any moment. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I guess the big biggest thing is how in the world I see all these mountain bikers and they can bunny hop over things mm-hmm. and they look like they're really good bike handlers. But anytime I ride a mountain bike, I feel sketchy. What the heck is going on? What do I need to do to get to go from road riding to mountain biking? It- Road riding, you're in a very static position. Okay. You're not dynamic on the bike in comparison to a mountain bike. Okay. Um, so you look at like a motocrosser yeah. on a dirt bike. They're very dynamic on the bike. They're constantly moving around. You're constantly pumping back and forth on your arms. You're shifting your weight side to side, front to back. Motocrossers are great dudes. So that's, mm. so you're too stiff because you're scared. Yep. You're scared that you're going to crash and lose traction. So you're constantly tensed up. So what do I need to do to relax then? What do you recommend? Pre-ride beer. Pre-ride beer? Yeah. Okay. Any other things other than chemical enhancement <laughs> I can do? Because I'm familiar with that. I'm a roadie. Chemical Honestly. enhancement is what we do. Yeah. Just a different kind. Yeah. Honestly, just chill out and ride your bike. That's okay. what we're all about. Okay. Let's go have some fun. Start yeah. small. Start small. Start small. I think so too. And also don't start in the parking lot. I see like, hmm. I'm jumping out of character for a bit here, <laughs> but I see so many roadies, like they're terrified. So they get to the trailhead where it's like gravel and hard ground and yeah. loose dirt. And they're like, I'm just going to go around in a tight circle here and get On used to one this inch marbles. Thing. Exactly. And crash and hurt myself right it, off the bat. Even us mount, experienced mountain bikers don't do that because we know we'd probably crash and make a fool of ourselves. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> get out onto the trail and, yes. and do that. Um, back into character. <clears throat> okay. Um, why do you guys hate roadies so much? <laughs> why do you tell me quit being such a roadie and you have bikes in the back of your truck, but you give me the finger when you go by me on the road. You, I, I don't know. Well, I don't do that personally as a mountain biker, but uh, I guess we just get so irritated at the pretentiousness of road bikers. It's very so, prim and proper. There is very, it's very prim and proper. We are just low key, lax, just bros. Just hang out and just party on bikes, man. So you're actually com- you're actually just laid back people. Very laid back. So should we listen to episode eight of the mountain bike podcast? Is that what you're saying? You probably should. Okay, yeah. that would make sense. Um, uh, why don't you shave your legs? Uh, because I don't need my legs shaved to go forty miles an hour on a bike. Okay, mine uh, do bug protect- protection pretty well. Yeah. I've had a lot of bugs get caught. Mosquitoes cannot get through my luscious leg hair. Nice. That's actually a very practical usage. It's actually good. It's actually kind of smart. <laughs> Never thought of that. Neither have I. He's a smart guy. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, what? One other thing. Why do you guys, so with, with mountain biking, you guys never have, um, like, 
I guess there's so many different formats of racing with road <laughs> racing. It's kind of like just different durations more or less. Okay. But can you explain all of the crazy formats of mountain biking to me? Because I see like some of you, like you guys hate cross country riders, you enduro guys, but well, I, I wouldn't say we like, hate them. Okay. We have a certain disdain for them. But yeah. <laughs> so explain what what's the different types of racing. Can you break that down for so me? So within, within mountain biking, you have your mass start type cross country races, different lengths, different endurance levels, uh, you know, it, in different like technical terrain, but they're usually a mass start and you're on the course at the same time with everybody. And it's a very dynamic pass and be passed and, you know, figuring out how to get past somebody on a single track or, you know, jostling for position. And those are my people, right? Which are very much like your criterium racers. Yeah. And they're um, wearing Lycra and road racers and they're wearing Lycra. Gotcha. And they might have visors on their helmets. So is that probably shave their legs too. Is that the thing that is that where I should start as a roadie? As a roadie, I would say that's where you're probably going to feel most comfortable okay. getting into mountain biking. Yeah. But what so, are the courses like? Are they going to be scary or? Well, for a road biker, yeah. Okay. But you've got suspension. Okay. And you'll you'll build some skill. Okay. You'll get some technical handling abilities and you'll you'll learn to trust your bike and you'll understand that, you know, you don't need 115 PSI in your tires for grip. You want less PSI. <laughs> less, okay. Less. 112. Yeah. 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 No, no, not 112. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like 23. Yikes, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um what else? Why don't you guys just use cyclocross bikes? Um have you seen what I do on a mountain bike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah. I mean, I do some pretty gnarly things with my cross bike, yeah, but yeah. I don't think you're not a uh, cross bike's not going to hold up to, you know, 10 foot, 12 foot drops. Okay. That makes sense. We um, need suspension. Some other, uh, some other thing, other types of racing I hear about enduro. What the heck is that? So enduro is as they always put the best day on the bike with your friends. Okay. You start off at a leisurely pace. You all pedal to through a, a transfer stage and you all pedal to a point where you one at a time go off in a almost like a time trial. So that first part isn't timed. No, it's not timed. You just have to get there before. Sometimes you, you, you just have, have to get there offs. before like a certain time, but yeah. it's easy. You don't have to like rush yeah. there. And, no. And then you're sent off in 30 second or 60 second intervals and you're racing the clock. You're not typically racing each other on the course. And then when you get done with it, you all high five your friends, grab some water, you know, snag a, a fig bar or a cliff bar or something like that. And then you just leisurely pedal over to the next stage. And the whole time you're chatting with your buddies about how sick and gnar and bro that trail was that you just did. Do I have to use the words like lit or tight? Things I don't, like that. I don't think so. I don't even know what lit is. Okay. Unless it's a fire. Zach's over here. Confidently smiling. Millennial. Stuff. He says he doesn't know what lit is, but he, he does. uses it all the time. All right, he uses fam. it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right, fam. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, another question then, what is downhill? It's exactly what it says. Okay. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you take a lift up to the top of something, and you start in a start gate. You're one at a time on course. and Those you, guys look like dirt bikers. They pretty much are. Yeah. Those bikes are dirt bikes without engines, and they're physics-powered. Can Why can't I... Why can't I wear Lycra doing that? Because aren't they going fast? Uh, you need protection. Okay. You want skin left after you so crash? So can I put on like one of those sweet armor suits over my Lycra? Sure. 
I mean, yeah, that's Jerry of the day stuff right there, but yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I should strive to be on Jerry of the day. Is that totally. good? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. That's clear. Okay. Full um, face helmet without a visor. Oh, okay. And normal glasses Any other in the t- full okay. face. Normal glasses. Yeah. Okay. And full armor everywhere. These sound like great tips. Yes. Okay. Um, Cause we don't want you to get hurt. No, of course not. Scabs would slow you down. They're less aerodynamically. Good point. For when you get back on your road bike. That's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, which will be all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm dedicated to that hustle. So, um, why, uh, or I guess I, I should rephrase this. How do I bunny hop? All of you mountain bikers can do that. And <sighs> I see this guy named Peter Sagan. He's the best person to ever ride a bicycle on the earth ever. And he bunny hops because curbs. you've never heard of Danny McCaskill. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> he bunny hops curbs. So he's the best person in the world. Yeah. And I saw a crash once, which was terrifying and horrifying to me. People fell mm-hmm. and, and he didn't fall. So he's the best. I've Were ever there seen. disc brakes involved in that crash? Those are terrible. Disc yeah. brakes. I've heard they cut your fingers off. I don't know how you guys have fingers left. I've so. read that. I've read that as well. Yeah. It's horrifying. Riding around with I don't even know saws. how to defend this right now. I'm just so over here. How do I bunny hop? How do I be cool like Sagan? So bunny hopping is an interesting one. Okay. So the first thing you do, you push down and you kind of compress your suspension because we have suspension on our mountain bikes. Okay. So we have a suspension fork and most of the time a rear shock as well. Decidedly not arrow. Definitely not arrow. <laughs> Good. Okay. But you know, you just raise the bottom bracket height, you know. I don't know what you said. Yep. Yep. So... you compress the suspension and then pull up with your handlebars and then push forward on them. Okay. So I don't just pick up my feet. No. Okay. Good to know. If you, if you're running, you know, clipless pedals, then yes, you can accentuate it with picking up of your feet. But most of a bunny hop comes from pulling up with the handlebars, then pushing forward. Gotcha. Okay. And you can do it on a road bike too for practicing. Break safe room or something. Yeah. Breaking character really quick. Ryan Leach uh, described that very well with something he called bowl theory. And I'll leave you all to Google that later. Okay. You can check that out back in character. Mm. Um, one thing that you guys do is you carry backpacks. Yes. Why? Because we need to carry stuff. A lot of stuff, a lot of gear. Like what do you carry in there? Oh, I've got a shock pump. I've got a digital tire pressure gauge. Wow. Extra, extra tube couple CO2 cartridges and a hand pump. A hand CO2 pump. Exactly. Are exactly. Bad. You cannot be too careful. A couple slices happen. of pizza breaking, breaking, um, character. Again, I bought on Amazon in bulk, uh, 100 CO2 cartridges. Okay. Almost one quarter of which were just duds. Oh, so well, so you probably got them prime and bulk they from, were cheap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Prime shipping. Pretty sweet. There you go just didn't work. So you got them in two days, but a quarter <laughs> yeah, of them didn't great. work. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm back in character. Um, first aid kit, tire lovers. Okay. Lots <laughs> An of stuff. arm sling <laughs> for when you get hurt. Yeah. Okay. Fold up stretcher board. Oh, come in handy. Do you guys, um, do, how do you guys feel about Strava? Because for me, Strava is life and it's what I'm all about. Cause I'm a roadie. So, I use Strava to track miles and gain my own or, you know, gauge my own improvements. Okay. I don't necessarily care about KOMs unless I'm trying to particular, like specifically take someone's KOM that (laughs) has either taken my KOM or whatever. Mm. Um, But beyond that, I just use it for gauging my own improvement on riding from 
trail to trail or bike to bike or whatever. What's one thing I should do as a roadie coming into the mountain bike world that would make me less lame to mountain bikers? Baggy shorts. Okay. Yep. Baggy shorts for XC rate uh, racers is even coming back. <laughs> Lycra is not as cool as it used to be. Some okay. some type of colorful three quarter length jersey. Three quarter length. Yep. Yeah. Three quarter sleeve, baseball, half sleeve, three quarter sleeve. sleeves. Yeah. Yep. Once again, decidedly not arrow. You're just no. You're right in it. Baggy shorts and that you'll blend in with all of us. Should uh, should I also should my helmet have a visor? It should. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be. Okay. I mean, as long as it doesn't look dumb. Okay. Don't uh, wear your road helmet on the mountain. Wear a mountain bike helmet. And okay. if it has a visor, great. Do you do group rides? I don't see them. That, I mean, that's how we operate. We we roam in packs. Breaking character again. Side note, totally random. You know how like a school of fish, the yeah. term is school to decide to like to say it's a group? Yeah. Or like a flock of geese or whatever else? Or it's actually a gaggle of geese. <laughs> gaggle. Okay, yeah. Yeah. awesome. Flock of birds, but a gaggle of geese. Really? Yeah. Okay, so just like that, Yeah. Um, do you know how to explain a group of ferrets? I've heard this before and it's kind of funny, but I don't remember what it's, it is. It's a business. It's of a ferrets. business of ferrets. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. And ferrets are business. The ferrets They're are jerks. all business. Yeah, yeah. Total jerks. Yeah. And yeah. back in character. Um, why don't you have group rides or do you have, group we do rides? have group rides. Okay. They're just not, you know, five abreast on a single lane highway <laughs> in the mountains blocking traffic. Should I listen to episode eight again? You should probably listen okay. to episode eight. Should you listen to episode eight? I again? think I should too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I'm, I'm in character right now. Yes, of course. I'm also a little drugged up, so I'm probably not defending mountain bikers proper properly this evening. So Brian, help me out. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Group rides are tough on the dirt, man. They That's are. like actually something I struggle with. Like mm. now that I have people that are fans in all these different places and I want to go ride with, the people that I consider friends now, it's like if 15 or 20 guys show up, it's like oh, on single track and yep. all in a single file line. It's kind of and a mess. A of, and group rides should be three to five most of the time. I yeah. think that's about it. Yeah. It's more complicated too, because you're dealing with dynamic terrain and yep. who knows how one guy's going to handle it versus another guy yeah. and something I'm working yeah. on. Yeah. It can get difficult. Um, well, is there anything else that you would add in terms of explaining mountain biking to roadies? There's so much. Just get on a mountain bike and let's go ride. That's really what it boils down to. We're not all about one thing, one proper culture. Just get out and have fun. That's what we're about. I mean, we really are more, I would say, laid back. Just come do your thing. And it's tough to do it by yourself, I'd say. I think a roadie might be able to buy all the gear and just go do it by themselves. But I think when you're a mountain biker, you got to make some mountain bike friends. They'll push you out of your comfort zone, hopefully the right amount. Because if you yeah. kind of stick to your own stuff, you're never going to really get that much better. And they'll have other old used stuff you can use. And they'll have all the nerdy knowledge like these guys do that can they can bestow on you of like, ah, use this instead of that. Yeah. And then you have someone to drink beer with after your rides. Yeah. Trail beers are a thing. They are a thing. I'm going to break character here and for permanently. Time. I'm <laughs> out of character. We're done. We're done with that. Okay. Kind of, but I'm kind still of. gonna talk to something. Good. Number one, um, road riders when they get into riding and they're wondering what type of bike to get, there's a genre called trail. Just get a trail bike. Yep. It's the best place for you to start. Full suspension trail bike. Done. Perfect. You're good. Yep. Um, the next thing you're all going to be frustrated in switchbacks. 
All um, of you. Yeah, this is not a 90-foot wide road. And it's very yeah. normal to be frustrated with switchbacks. And if you've watched um, Finding Dory or Finding Nemo, and Dory just says, swimming. just keep swimming, just keep, and just, just keep pedaling. That's all you need to tell yourself yep. on switchbacks too. Just keep pedaling. Yep. And you'd be amazed at how terrible things might look, but they will work out. Like you will not be pretty perhaps, but if you just keep pedaling a lot of the time, you'll make it through whatever thing you're going through. Yeah. It really is if you're going uphill. If you're going downhill in a section, ignore Dory and don't keep pedaling. Yeah. It just coast. Well, but yeah. I like really to pedal hard. downhill. Yeah. But that's one thing that I've seen a lot of roadies have problems with is switchbacks and they lose confidence. Number uh, The other thing is it just takes time and a lot of work of, of just repetition, just doing reps pretty much. And when you see a mountain biker that looks like he just picked it up naturally, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, she didn't. It, it's, it takes time. Yeah. So it's, it's normal. Unless you're Amy Morrison. Yeah. Oh, she, she, moto background. Yeah. That's like well, me. Yeah. yeah. At least the roadie has a base level of fitness coming into Truth. it. When you come off the street as a mountain biker, as many of us have, and you almost puke on your first three rides, and you're like, "What is the going on? Like, how do people do this?" Can we? At least the roadies can. Can I be that. honest with you guys about something? Yes. First time I went mountain biking when I decided to get back in the sport at 28, halfway up White's Creek from Timberline. Yeah. Pulled over and wanted to puke. That'll happen. First ride. I, di- I couldn't even make it on dry pond loop. Were you disappointed, which is a local, lo- local trail yeah. for us. I was were very you, disappointed. Were you pretty sad? I was very sad. Did you look around to see if anybody was watching? <laughs> well, my friends were watching. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> so no, of course not. There was no, you know, making fun of me or anything like right. that. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I guess that now it's time for, for our tips. Tips. You don't care. They'd count on your tips to live. All right, I'm going to talk about uh, one that's been forced upon me lately. Uh, I, did I mention my road bike last time being broken? Yes. I did? No, you didn't on the I podcast. Did. We so, were still upset about that. Yeah, I went to a hotel, uh, the Hampton, and in suites in San Francisco in the Mission District, Fifth and Mission. Don't ever go there. <laughs> don't ever take your bike there. Yeah, don't do that. Um, I went there, and they they said no bikes allowed in rooms. So they were like, but we have this large room that's locked and has a manager security code or a key pass and everything else. And it's very secure and we'll keep it by itself. That's where we store people's luggage. I'm like, all right, cool. That sounds, I mean, it sounds safe. We're yeah. fine. Cause that's really what I'm worried about is my bike getting stolen. Right. Yeah. So, um, I pick it up and when I pick it up, I go to, I go up the stairs, grab the bike down by the bottom bracket to pick it up and I get poked by something and I look and my frame is broken. Oh, so they broke the, my, my frame on my, it's a specialized tarmac carbon frame, of course. And it's got a spot where it basically looks like you hit it with like a ball peen hammer or something. And it's got like radiating circles from there. It doesn't it have a have hole in it. it the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Yeah. Um, so either the frame got, or the bike got dropped or something dropped onto it. Yeah. Something like that. Hit it down in the bottom bracket in a spot where I'm sure a lot of people are like, you can repair it. You don't want to repair a frame in this position because it's right down toward the bottom bracket junction. It's near one of the flex points of the bike. Exactly right. You don't want to repair it there. And that frame has also been repaired because of another incident in San Francisco, a road race. A guy just was not looking, pulled straight out, cleaned me out hard and broke my frame. So the top tube has been repaired before. Yeah. Um, expertly, may I add, by C.J. Dudley, who no longer does those repairs. But uh, 
so it's 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 gone. I don't have a road bike anymore, which is fine. That's <laughs> that's my life. But I use it a lot. I use that. I use it for to. training. <laughs> well, in this case, I don't. Yeah. Uh, because I have a specialized crux mm-hmm. and I know this sounds like, you know, first world problems over here, but yeah. I have a specialized crux and that's a cyclocross bike for those that don't know. And I'm just using that as my road bike right now. And there are a lot of aspects when I'm riding it that I'm thinking like, man, a road bike should probably have more of this, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's, I've got wider spacing. I can run fat tires on there, which is sweet. Uh, I'm running a one by drivetrain on there and it's just really easy with the clearance. I don't have to do anything weird or chain lines or anything else like that. It's all set up. Uh, it's compliant. It like work handles bumps super well. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's kind of my, but my pedaling. T- it's probably stiffer. Uh, yeah, it does feel stiffer, but more deadened. I yep. guess you could say like yep. you don't feel, it doesn't feel as harsh you know, better harmonic damping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it, I guess that my, my tip with this is a cross bike can be a road bike Yep. these days. That's how I felt for the past few years. Yep. And the spacing on the bikes, like this bike has 142 rear spacing, 142 by 12, the front, I wish the fork was boost because then I could run my MVM fifties on there. Yeah. And that but would be sweet, yeah. but it's not, I mean, yeah. you just have you know, 15 or what is it? A 12 axle, 12 millimeter through axle Yep, on the front of that. Yeah. 12 on the front. Yeah. So, but Hey, it'll do. Yeah. So and your hydraulic disc, hydraulic disc, one by force one by drivetrain force one by drivetrain yep. with same 42 cassette on the back. Deck same setup as my, as my super X. Yep. It's yep. a sweet setup, man. Yeah. I dig it. So that's my, that's my tip. How about you, Steven? Um, well in my weight weenie ism, thing that I have going on with my new Yeti build. Yeah. Um, I've gone through this code weird name Aurora code name Aurora. Yes. So I've gone through this weird progression of saddles where I originally started on the WTB volt, which is always just a good baseline. Mm-hmm. A lot of mountain bikers love Super that saddle. Common. One day I was riding and all of a sudden it was just painful. Huh. Tried a different chamois thinking that might've been it. Wasn't it just the saddle for some reason, all of a sudden didn't work for me. So, I called Jason Mosler at WTB and I'm like, Hey dude, I don't know what happened here, but something's up. This saddle my all of a sudden has changed. <laughs> yeah, my anatomy has changed. And yeah. he's like, you know what? Um, try the Silverado. So I got a Silverado for it. Felt great. Rode that for almost two complete seasons on my SB six on my Jekyll and even on my Pinarello cross bike. I ran that saddle. Awesome, by the way, running a WTV saddle on a Pinarello. Pinarello, Yeah, that's great. So, and that saddle worked fine. And here, late this last season, all of a sudden, on my five five and on my Pinarello, I started noticing that that saddle. Do you think the saddle was wearing out? And I'm not sure because I ended up ordering another brand new one, and I still felt the same thing. So it wasn't a Mm -hmm. breaking down of the saddle. It wasn't just something in my, you know, in my positioning on the bike. Yep. had changed or something, but on both bikes, almost instantly saddle started hurting. Hmm. My super X came with the carbon railed, but nylon based version of the new fabric scoop shallow. It's a beautiful saddle, very classic looking. And that saddle is super comfortable on my cross bike. I love that saddle. So I'm, I ordered the new scoop shallow ultimate which is advertised at 180 grams and it's a full carbon base and carbon rails. And mine actually weighed in at 168 grams. And it's comfortable is the key. That's comfortable. It's, it's not, it doesn't sacrifice comfort for that weight. And I will, I will take 
180 grams if I have to, to have a comfortable saddle oh, yeah. versus 110 grams or 130 grams on like there's a Sela SMP saddle. That's that light. I won't sacrifice weight for discomfort. Yeah. Sm- but this is still ridiculously light. Yeah. It's pretty darn good, man. For a $270 saddle. Yeah. But Brian, do you have any tips? I do. I do have a tip. It's outside of the mountain biking world, but since you guys are all podcast listeners, mm-hmm. yeah. you're kind of audio focused people great audiobook that I listened to. My last five-star audiobook was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Ooh, I've heard about that it's one. It's a fantastic story about him building Nike from nothing, from an idea. And I just love stories about people that build stuff from an idea and turn it into something that just people cannot get enough of. And his trials and tribulations of importing Onitsuka Tigers into America and getting you know, shut down by other distributors and just the battle of business. It's, it's really cool. I wish you went into even more detail, but great story, great listen, especially on audiobook. Check it out. There's a lot of that in the mountain biking world. A lot of guys with an idea that make it happen. Yep. So pretty cool stuff. It's kind of where we all are right now. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for coming, Brian. Appreciate My it. Pleasure, you're going yeah. to make the drive back now. Yep. Over the snowy mountains. Yep. yep. Hopefully before the big snow hits. I actually canceled on Jonathan yesterday. I said, I am so, so much of a wuss of driving in the snow. And it was like the friggin' weather said snowstorm, heavy yeah. snowstorm over the past, Donner Pass. And I was like, oh, I can't do it. And then I checked the weather today. I was like, oh, it's clear. Let's go. Let's do this. Manned yep. up. It'll be good. You'll you'll make it back safe. Yep. I'm, 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 I'm confident in that. He drives a Toyota, so... Oh, he's good. Yeah. yeah, so he'll be good, right? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. Thanks for joining us, everybody. You can find this podcast on, you can, geez, everywhere. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, wherever else you listen to your podcast. And chances are you can probably leave a review there too. So, and, we, and we have an interwebs site. Yes, we do. mtbpodcast.com. If you want to submit your questions, you can do so there. You can listen to the latest episode right there too. It's an easy place to do it. Uh, you can find out more about the podcast. And you can share that with people. Uh, I I have a Yakima bike rack that I want to give away, but we've just got to find a good way to do it. And I think it, we should involve the listeners next week, Stephen. So we should. It's a roof rack. Uh, it's their holdup, one of their like high-end ones that you just clamps on the wheel. Okay. So it's a pretty sweet one. So, yeah, I think we'll give that away to somebody. Cool. So uh, we just need um, – we just need – a good reason to do it so shoot us an email at mtbpodcast.com if you have any any ideas on a contest that we can do something similar like that if you want to win that can you give me the rack hey hey can you (laughs) give me the rack i can already see that yeah hey i'm just wondering i'm I'm a college kid yeah (laughs) and to be clear we will only ship within the continental u.s yeah i apologize if you're out of the out of state columbia yeah (laughs) it's good good accent so, uh, yeah, we'll probably give that away uh, next week. Give us some good ideas on what to do there. Leave a review and uh, share the podcast with your friends. We'll talk to you all next week. Have a lovely evening, everyone. Hey guys, Jonathan here. Just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that if you like the song that you're hearing now and the one that you heard in the intro, it comes from Wave Riders Entertainment, my good friend Tommy Walter. Check it out if you're looking for more beats like this or some awesome tracks to listen to. We'll talk to you next week.